Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mentwarmers, your bi-weekly-ish look at the world of Jews and sports. I'm here with my co-host Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? Uh, Boker Tove, listeners. I'm doing very good. Do you think that we're listened to in the morning? Uh, I think, I, yeah. I always say I, good evening to people. Yeah, like on the show. That's a good question. Is it Boker? Because I didn't want to say Lila Tove, because that's like a more of a good night thing. But Boker Tove is like, it's so yeah. it's so jolly and welcoming. Like, I could Boker Tove people in the early evening. Just as like hey, a hello. It's 8 a.m. It's 8 a.m. It's 8 a.m. somewhere. That's right. As we record this, it is in the Holy Land at 1 a.m. So Boker Tov to Israel. Um, sure. We, uh, I think I think people listen in the morning. I know my wife listens to her podcasts on commuting while commuting. Um, I commute about 15 feet from the kitchen to the office in my house. Right. So my commute is not very long. But if it was longer, you've been, you've been I would listening probably... to one. You've been one li- listening to one podcast on your commute commute for the entire year for the entire yeah exactly i hear i hear it 15 seconds at a time i i think adnan might have done it i don't know yet <laughs> but i think he might have done it we're gonna figure it out in about eight months in about eight months i'll go on to the next episode and and then i've got a whole lot more to listen to well speaking of the uh holy land we should talk a little bit about the maccabia games that just wrapped up uh, of course, yeah. we, we did our last episode on the Maccabi Games a little bit and interviewed um, two of Team Canada's uh, women's hockey players, Lauren Weisbarth and Melissa Ronsberg, and a uh, Team Canada Hockey Masters uh, male competitor, Mike Zbrigger. So I'm going to declare it. Pra- I'm going to pra- declare it. Before you, before you say that, before you say that, I'm going to declare it. I think we can claim some level of responsibility for the result. We are strapping the rocket ship of success Brought on by the Mench Warmers to the backs, to the tushies of each one of these players. We, sure. we now have a 100% hit rate of Maccabia athletes appearing on uh, 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 the Mench Warmers. That includes Zach Hyman, who have won gold medals at the Maccabia Games. Big, big mazel tov and nachas to our guests and official friends of the pod, whether they like it or not. Lauren, Melissa, and Mike, who all won gold medals. Thanks to us. Yeah, I think the trick from our perspective is ha- having uh, Canadian hockey athletes on. That's that's really the trick. <laughs> that's true. But like, they did all they did all win, and we should say that uh, uh, for the you know an on you know f- once again the Jews swept the medals at the Maccabi Games. Yes, so good for, it was good for a the really Jews. really good week for the Jews. Really for terrific. Jews. Um, uh, you know, I you look at every sport: softball, Jewish, all the Jewish athletes won gold, bronze, silver. You go yep. next, you know, right after softball, hockey, all Jewish athletes, gold, bronze, silver. So yep. huge week for the Jews. So Yala to the Jews. 21 Maccabias in a row, 21 all Jewish sweeps. Um, <laughs> we should say that uh, this is, you know, pretty pretty important in terms of geopolitical stuff. Early on that uh, U.S. President Joe Biden was at the opening ceremonies along with... Yeah, new, Joe Byron. New, yeah, new, new Israeli Prime Minister Yair, Yair, Yair Lapid was there as well with him. Um, so pretty cool that he was opening it up. Uh, there were some, you know, lots of festivities, lots of Jewish Olympians who were around uh, for the opening it's, ceremonies. It, it was very exciting. You know, uh, former and future Jewish Olympian Ian Kinsler, who we'll get to talk about earlier, was a, a torchbearer, as well as uh, uh, Linoy Ashram, who won her gold medal this previous Olympics. Like they they really brought out, you know, everyone um, uh, to this to this event to, you know, geopolitically, internally, and externally. Sort of, I guess, if you're following Israeli politics, um, and maybe this is a little more bonjour high, a real kickoff, a real real triumphant kickoff to the Yair Lapid government. 
I, I guess so. So, you know, just another successful Maccabi Games. And, uh, you know, congratulations to all the athletes who are there. Um, uh, if you'd you like know. to hear more about the Maccabi Games, you can listen to, I guess, it's today, July 27th, CJN Daily Podcast, where uh, uh, featuring Molly Tissenbaum, flag bearer, and gold medal winner. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I believe the overall uh, number one medal count was uh, the U.S., which is typically the... So they have the most Jews. I think the U.S. is expected uh, I don't know to if it's the most medals. You know, they've got the different different sports programs for different things. They can compete most widely in different uh, in different areas. They. Um, I read something interesting today. The U.S. sent more Jewish athletes to the Maccabi Games than they did over any athletes to the last Winter Olympics, last Summer Olympics. There are more... Well, as you said, it's the, it's the third biggest sporting event in the world. It is. It's amazing. Um, I If you were to go for any event, if you were to be a Maccabi athlete, just show up and I can do this, what would it be for you? Ooh, that is a really good question. I, I think that, uh, you know, as you've seen personally, my golf game is probably not up to Maccabi uh, standards, but it is probably the game that I could just get up and down the best in. Yeah. Um, I, right. But I am, as as you know, I am, I am somewhat tall, uh, at least for a Jew, so I feel like... As a six foot three person, like I wouldn't necessarily be the shortest person on on the basketball team, right? For Team Canada, yeah, you could you, you know, would like sort that. of fit into it. I feel like you. I mean, people don't know Jamie is a, a, a substantive man, um, and I, I think you could you would fit in as on like a, a track team. Like if you could, you could be a like a shot team. putter or a discus thrower. I think pretty you could I convincingly. I've I've seen Jamie as a matter of fact come in second in an amateur shot put throwing event in the Highland Games. He would have come in first That's true. in Gurukh, Scotland. He would have won for the Jews and for Canada, but there was a small foot fault. So as every Jewish person knows, and every lawyer knows, as a lawyer, he would know this. He did lose on a technicality. But he... That's true. That was, that was the right way for yes, me to Yes, exactly. I don't, I don't think it would have been a Jewish sporting event if there wasn't enough negotiation. That, that was... The, you know, this would have been a good joke about the Maccabi Games is, you know, every, every sport... Every game has like an argument with the refs that takes over the entire game. And then you get all passive aggressive, like, yeah, you make that call. But I, I don't, you know, right. obviously these people are, are very successful and driven athletes and not uh, the comedy routine going on in my brain. <laughs> well, we did get some news about next, uh, next year's WBC World Baseball Classic that came out at the uh, Maccabi Games because Ian Kinsler. Uh, who was recently announced as the Team Israel manager, uh, announced that Jock Peterson, you know, I think if you listen to our podcast by now, you know who Jock Peterson is, uh, has agreed he's that going. he's, go- he's, he's in. committed to playing for he's Israel. He's sort of having like a Jockasance yeah. this year. You know, he's having the best year of his career, oh, yeah. and he's, he's decided to double down on it by embracing his Judaism, uh, which is not a thing you see very often. Yeah. Traditionally, people in success try and avoid their Judaism, um, but this is quite exciting. Well, we should say we should say Jock, Jock did play for Israel in the uh, I think for the 2013 yes. uh, edition of the WBC. He didn't play in the the other ones since then. But yeah, as you said, he was an All Star this year with the Giants, having a very good year uh, for a not so good team. I don't think it's going to be another World Series run for for Jock. Uh, but that was a good announcement. And also uh, Harrison Bader of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals announced that he's going to play for Israel as well. And that was yeah. a, I think a surprise to you and me and other, I lots think of you other could Jewish say baseball that he fans. Came out as a Jew. You know, something we didn't really know about him? Well... Or many people doesn't, don't know about him. It, it, it's a little tricky. So I, I did look at it, look up, look it up afterwards, and there was an article written in the St. Louis Jewish Light about him. He is Jewish 
uh, I think so that's on us. But um, you know, it's that's on us for, for not figuring out. We we blew we blew the story, St. Louis baseball fans. I'm sorry. We should have known. Yeah. Um, and speaking of speaking of this is quite the segue. Speaking of half Jewish St. <laughs> Louis Cardinals, uh, did you see this week, Gabe? That that uh, Cardinals uh, first baseman Paul Goldschmidt so is unvaccinated and was unable to come to Toronto to face our Blue Jays. Amazing to think about a Jewish person that's unvaccinated. And if you're unvaccinated and a regular listener of our podcast, may I ask why? Politely, like, it, I, I don't, I can't imagine there's very many. Like, there has to be some sort of doctor in your family or or general, you know, uh, politics knower that would just sort of shame you into doing it. Um, we don't really, you know, individuality is one thing, but I think most Jewish people, like, get it. I, I agree. I got to figure, like, the Jewish unvaccinated, rent, like, yeah, rates have got to be in, like, the single digits. Like, of all the, you know, it's like when, whenever you see those maps of, like, wh- where people are vaccinated, <laughs> you know, if you, if you layered that over a map of where there are Jews, yeah. like, you, you, know that, you know what the results would be. Like, we're, we're, we're a hypochondriac and an- anxious people in the first place. And we're also people yeah. who listen to science and listen to doctors. I, I, I know I'm painting with a very broad I brush. I think we and might yes, have to I, do, I like, there are like some a who Satmar, Curious, uh, Yol exception here. Um, I would assume, like, the vast... The, the vast yeah, majority that, that of people be, who like live in a fake shtetl in upstate New York probably aren't vaccinated, but like they might not have even been aware there's a global pandemic in the first place. And I don't mean to give like you know all this Satmar cast aspersions and all these Satmar people, but fuck it, they're not going to listen because this show's in English. So <laughs> deal with it. Oh well, well you know I, I would say like. That's true. Look, Paul Goldschmidt is is not. I, I would say he doesn't identify as Jewish. Like that. That's the first thing we should say. He's not someone we've really talked about a lot before. And, and we we no longer have to identify him as Jewish. I think if he's winning MVPs and hitting home runs, he's half Jewish. If he's unvaccinated yeah, and like ranting about how Donald Trump is is the rightful heir to the throne or whatever, then fuck him. He doesn't need to be Jewish anymore. Like that's his Baptist side. Topic. Yeah, that's true. Well, we wish him luck in his, uh, you know, ongoing uh, doing his own research and uh, making a personal decision for himself. <laughs> and I hope we, to God, we, I hope we, to God that we wish him luck. In his, I really hope that we it is continuing. Research. I, and now I really hope that if the Jays make the World Series. They're they're playing the St. Louis Cardinals because uh, they're going to be without two of their best players, including Paul Goldschmidt. So that's, at least for the ga- you know, games in I, Toronto. I feel like a lot of people ask us if Paul Goldschmidt is Jewish. Like, anytime he's in the news, we get tweets, we get emails, we get uncles and cousins coming. Oh, is Paul Goldschmidt Jewish? And it, like, eh. You know, maybe that eh is going to get a little more hesitant. Because um, certainly, culturally speaking, he's leaving the flock a little bit. Yeah, I, it, it's sort of like, it's sort of like uh, golfer Matthew Wolf, who uh, became a born-again Christian when he went to Oklahoma uh, yeah, university or Oklahoma State, whichever one of, one of the Oklahomas uh, who recently one of the, one of the yeah, Oklahomas who, exactly. who recently one, signed up for the Saudi sport washing live golf tour, and it's like you know what was I going to fight with someone before about whether Matt Wolf was Jewish? Ah, you know it's like well you know it's sort of a Talmudic response, a, a little bit born Jewish but doesn't identify, but we don't know because we haven't talked to him about the and now it's like Matthew Wolf Jewish? No, I never heard of that guy before in my life. What are you talking about? <laughs> Right, he's he's it's it's very much like Bill Goldberg. Like they'll they're taking the Saudi money and not really thinking about it. Um, you know, Goldberg, we he was one of our greatest Jewish athletes of all time in our thing. But like he's got some he's got some iffy. You know, he's accepted that a little bit of that yeah. blood money. And I, I similarly, I wonder. You know, 
does MBS or whoever's paying for the live golf like know that Wolf was once Jewish? And do they yeah, care? I'm sure, I'm sure they know. I'm sure they I mean, don't particularly care or they're happy to have him. They seem to not care that he's if he's that good at golf anymore either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a topic for another day. It's just his complete <laughs> fall off the last year. One of the most promising rookies to just like go go nowhere. Um, we should have said yeah. this earlier, but golf is a good segue to this. We do have Speaking we do of have golf. a great interview lined up later in the podcast uh, with Israel professional golfer Leticia Beck. Touring golf pro. Our first tour in golf pro on the show. Uh, she was really kind of, you know, very kind of her to join us. Uh, she's playing in a tournament starting on Friday out in Battle Creek, Michigan, and she's going to be in Montreal uh, for a Benebrith golf tournament that we talked about with her uh, in a few weeks in August. Um, but thanks so much for to Letitia for joining us. That that please do stay tuned for that interview. It's not just Gabe and I uh, offending the Satmar community. Um, we we should. Uh, we're also offending the Israeli community. How are we offending the Israeli community? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We are honoring them with a great ambassador. That's right. Um, but before we get to that interview, just a few more uh, you know Jewish sports news items we want to get through. Um, a few weeks ago, Joel Embiid was at a Jewish wedding. Uh, this is this is one in the continuing series of giant NBA uh, players basketball adjacent Jewish weddings yeah exactly giant NBA players at Jewish weddings we had Kevin Love uh who's we talked about in the, one of the recent episodes married to a Jewish woman um but Shaq LeBron recent attendees Charles, Charles Barkley a few yeah. weeks ago uh you know at, at his daughter's Jewish wedding that's right so Joel Embiid was hoisted in the chair um at the, during the horror and like that is just news in and of itself it's just there's something wonderful about watching like a seven foot tall giant get get hoisted in that chair uh and look like yeah. he's having the time of his life and also like he doesn't know what the hell is going on so uh great whoever whoever whatever jews made that happen you know uh Kanana Hora, like good for you guys i so the wedding the wedding was the wedding of a michael ratner who's a documentarian who made a movie about joel Embiid's childhood right. but i think as a jewish person and a documentarian as well you would also know immediately that if there's a seven foot tall NBA player on in the horror, you get your camera out and you put it on. Instagram. <laughs> I think that's right. I, um, you know, he's that guy's got an eye for for a good image, and you know he's directed. He's directed. Uh, he directed the the Netflix Justin huh. Bieber story uh, movie. He directed uh, you know a bunch of videos for Migos as well as this movie about uh, uh, Joel Embiid. So he's he's really got you know an eye to what what hits online. And this video of Joel Embiid is there. I This actually sure. leads me to a question. You know, we've talked about it uh, before. If, you're, if you think you are the single biggest person at a Jewish event, Joel Embiid is easy at, there's always usually the tallest guy. Does the tallest guy always have to go on the chair? Does somebody always grab him in and be like, you're going up? Or is he just handed the chair to lift it? Yeah, it's like it's like the youngest having to read the, the four questions at Passover. You know, if you're the biggest guy there... They got to get you like, yeah. they want to see if you can get the roof kind of thing, you know, or, or they want to, <laughs> it's like a challenge. Can they lift this guy? And, uh, yeah. I, I feel like I've talked to this, this before, but I got married at a synagogue in, in Toronto and they have like a special chair for, uh, hoisting people, which makes sense. Cause it's like reinforced and there's handles and stuff like that. Yeah. But, like if you just have to like lift somebody up in a, in a normal chair or like a, you know, like a white lawn chair or something like that, like that chair might not make it out of there. You know, like if you have to lift Joel Embiid, like all 300 pounds of him, yeah. All seven feet of him, like it, that chair might not make it out. So yeah, I There's think definitely I 
Some other more culturally relevant podcast that's more about Jewish culture has definitely done a hierarchy of horror chairs. Like, you know, what's going to be the most popular, the best chair to lift somebody up with right. a horror? I feel like it's, you know, it's a little dangerous, but I sort of feel like it's that armless synagogue chair with the, like, the metal, the legs are, like, metal used. I know what you're talking about. sort of a yeah. piece of, like, hard cardboard with felt on it. Very utilitarian. Very utilitarian uh, synagogue chair. I think that's probably, the, but the, you're not looking at, like, a folding bridge chair. That thing's not surviving a particularly raucous horror. Well, I think this is a lesson to people that if you happen to know uh, an NBA big man and you think he may come to your family function, your Jewish family function, invite him. You know, it's a good look. <laughs> he, you, he might show up. A, a, an Instagram reel or something like that go viral of them getting lifted in the chair. So, uh, you know, keep keep making that happen. Um, a few more things we wanted to talk about uh, before we get to our interview. The MLB draft happened recently. The top Jewish uh, player picked was Eric Razelman, who's a pitcher who can get up into the triple digits. And he was drafted by the Yankees in the fifth round. Um, there's a few other Jews who we know of who are drafted. Uh, Jordan Disson's a catcher who's drafted by the Phillies. And Graham uh, Fireved was a pitcher drafted by the Cubs in the later round. Uh, I'm sure there are more. Uh, we should shout out Jewish baseball news which, you know, does real yeoman's work on this every year, just sort of like collecting all the names and finding out everyone. So um, check them out. I would say check them out in a few weeks. They'll probably have a more comprehensive list um, of all the Jews who were drafted. But, you know, as we always say, like Eric Razelman, interesting prospect, you know, obviously big arm pitcher. Uh, you know, we'll see him in a few years. <laughs> Hopefully we'll check back in um, <laughs> because there's it, it, it a long development process in, in baseball. So, uh, you know, you're not going to see these guys debut anytime soon although he is a uh he is a college graduate or, or a college athlete at least so he is someone who, who could theoretically play in the next year or two for the yankees yeah absolutely i mean it's incredibly exciting and another jew on the yankees would be really spectacular um i think it's been a while yeah, since there was been one. one a long time yeah and i think it would be yeah. very very cool to see um really exciting and another Jewish baseball news. I mean, baseball, uh, pretty baseball heavy episode this this week, but like it's really the only sport that's going on at a professional uh, level. But we wanted to shout out the MLB debut of uh, Team Israel baseball pitcher uh, and now Philadelphia Philly, Bobby Rossman. Bobby Rossman. I like how many Unbelievably kids. Unbelievably, his name, Bobby Rossman. Who had a Bobby Rossman. That's it's crazy. So he was uh, called up for the Phillies when they were in town uh, here in Toronto because they were missing some players due to uh, COVID restrictions or, or due to them being unvaccinated. He got into the game on July 13th. See, here's a vaccinated Jewish athlete. Yeah. Because he, he was, was able to pitching play to He was vaccinated, yeah. And as was Garrett Stubbs, who was the catcher for the Phillies, who he was throwing to. So It was an all-Jewish battery. Um, it was an all-Jewish battery. Um, I did some work on this a couple years ago in terms of finding out the history of all Jewish batteries. I think the most notable one was uh, no Norm Sherry, who caught both his brother Larry Sherry and Sandy Koufax for the Dodgers yep. uh, back in the 50s and 60s. But the uh, you know an all Jewish battery goes all the way back to Harry Feldman and Harry Danning, um, who uh, were a Jewish battery for the New York Giants back in the 1940s. Long history of Jewish batteries. Um, unfortunately, you have to unplug them on the Sabbath. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no Jewish batteries on the Sabbath. This was a Thursday. Uh, anyways, Bobby, yeah. Bobby walked, Bobby walked a guy and then gave up a home run to Teoscar Hernandez and was then sent back down to the minors. So I don't know if he's going to make it, uh, make it back up to the Phillies this year, but it might just be a cup of coffee guy, but you know what? He made it to the major leagues. I hope I, Can't take you know, that away. He, he did it. We, he clocked in, he got his, he got his check. He got his time in. 
Yeah, Good Major League Baseball. Um, it, it's about time we see more Bubbies succeed in society today. They've all been Major League so Baseball has gone on for, you know, 150 years more or less now. And uh, it had gone all this time without having a player named Bubby. And now there has been a player named Bubby. You know, you can search it on Baseball Reference. You can yeah. buy the, the baseball encyclopedia. You know, There's going to be a guy named Bubby who made it to the profession, to the pros. There's been... There's been a Rubby, there's been yeah. plenty of Bobbies, but never a Bubby. That's it's it's great. There was a um, but uh, there was should, a Bubella. We probably there was a Bubbla, but uh, ooh, a Bubella. That, that was the last name. A I, think was, I think it was a Latin uh, Bubella, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was one of the Ladino Bubblas. <laughs> uh, we should we should move on and, and get to our interview with uh, uh, spectacularly talented and wonderful human Leticia Beck. Joined tonight by Leticia Beck, uh, professional golfer extraordinaire. Leticia, th- thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. You are Israel's first professional golfer. So I want to talk a little bit about how that came to be. Israel, not exactly known as a golf powerhouse, obviously. Um, one course in Caesarea. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about your history growing up? Uh, when did you when did you first start playing golf at a serious level? So small correction. I am the first Israeli on tour on the on like LPG or PGA Fair tour, enough. not the first professional. Because we we have pros, um, professional golfers or athletes are just you know if if they're mm-hmm. getting paid they're called professional. So we do Good have professional, but yeah, on tour, yeah. So yeah. we have a few of those. Um, so yeah, so I started playing golf when I was nine. Um, I'm, I was born in Belgium, moved to Israel when I was six, and we moved near the only golf course. Well. At that time, we also had a nine-hole golf course near Tel Aviv in Gash. So we had you know, 18 in Caesarea where we moved, mm-hmm. and then nine holes in Gash. Now we only have um, 18 holes. But um, Was that a, a, a purposeful decision by your parents to move there? It's just like a beautiful city. Right. Um, I'm not sure what other cities they were looking at. Um, we, as a kid, when I was growing up in Belgium, um, we used to go to Tel Aviv, and it left a few times a year. Um, but... Yeah, when we moved, we moved to um, Caesarea. So I'm not sure why. I mean, it's a beautiful city. We have the golf course, the beach, and they they love playing golf. They're not <laughs> not the best golfers, but they, they enjoy it. So, uh, so when I was a kid, I played other sports. Um, I, tennis and soccer were my main uh, sports that I like enjoyed playing, and golf I did on the side. And uh, till I was 12, I won the Ladies Israeli Open in golf, and that's when I really decided to concentrate on golf. And and that was a, a and that's every golfer in in Israel, and you were 12 years old, and you beat them all. Yeah, well, we don't really have <laughs> we don't really have a lot of golfers, you know? right? So it's not like I was amazing. I was a good athlete, and I was decent, uh, but I was not amazing. That's that's uh, why, like at that age, I decided to just stick to one sport because I knew I wanted to be a professional athlete. Right. So I. I would, ima- I would imagine that among uh, LPGA uh, or, or any really uh, competitive professional golfers, 
typically they're they're playing you know a home course but different courses as well did you have a unique experience in really just playing the one 18 hole course i I assume over and over and over until you knew every bump in the the grass and every every tree that uh you know you could get a good ricochet off of or something like that yeah so so (laughs) when i started off when i was 12 um then the next year i like became so much better so when i was 13 um we knew like my my family and i that i have to go somewhere else okay. overseas to get better if I wanted to really play professionally in, in the highest level. So we started looking at places um, to go at like a boarding school and uh, we found an academy in Florida. Actually, there was a guy that uh, I played golf with in Israel. He was two years older than me and he was the Israeli champion, mm-hmm. the Israeli champion, and he was going to the academy. So he went there a year before I did, and it, we felt comfortable that at least I have someone there with me. And so when I was 14, going to ninth grade, I joined this uh, boarding school, sports academy in Florida. So that's kind of was like the and, and next step. So was it, you know, was it a comfortable place for you? Obviously, you had a, a country person there. Were there a lot of other Jewish people, other Jewish golfers at the tournament, or were you two still at the tournament at the school, or were you two still pretty, you know, unique uh so at that boarding school so it's ing academy it's known as board mm-hmm. the tennis it started with the tennis and when i was there we had five other sports or oh, five sports in total now you have football lacrosse now it's like a huge academy um but everyone was able to go there you don't you know you didn't need to be at a certain level so yeah so you mm-hmm. had Jewish kids, you know, they just came from, you know, a good background and just wanted to <laughs> play a sport, not necessarily professional. So, yeah, so there, there were a few Jew, uh, Jewish people, uh, athletes, um, but that then it wasn't like my decision based on like religion. Of course. Because I needed to find a place and having my Israeli friend that, you know, I hang out with him a lot. So that was kind of, that was nice to have him around. And I, and I guess it gave and you, are you guys still close? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, no okay, six years ago. I, I guess that gave you an opportunity. I was gonna say, I guess that gave you an opportunity to play some other courses aside from just the same eighteen at Cesarea over and over and over again. Yeah. So you had coaches, you had facilities, you had tournaments. So that's when I really, you know, started really getting much better um, to a point where you know I started getting recruited for college. So then I went to college, played the NCAA, and. You don't. You don't have to yeah. be. Shy, you don't have to be shy about it. I. I, I know you're a dookie, and and and. Uh, yeah. My my experience has that been that dookies want to put that into every conversation possible. So. Yeah. Feel free to show no, off. Um, you've asked me how many times did you get was eight? Uh, was it the title? Not the title. The. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I never know the, the terms when you get, um, like academics, you do well, and then and then sports. Uh, all yeah, the, like an all American. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not American, then why is it such a big deal? I don't yeah. understand. I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. But, but, you, um, but you were you were a two time all American, or you sorry, you were an all American there one year at uh, at Duke, correct? A few years, yeah. A few years. <laughs> a few years. <laughs> very and very and you were national champions. I saw. Yeah, my. All right, we read. Yeah, that um, that one I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my senior year, we won the NCAA championship, so that was exciting. Right. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, so after that, um, to get your LPGA card, you do Q school, 
and then I did that, and then the same year I also got my LPGA card. Right. Um, so that was like the highlight of the of 2014, graduating NCAA and uh, getting my LPGA card. So that was a good year. And we should say one more one more big highlight after that in terms of your career that we know about is is you golfed for Israel in 2016 Olympics, correct? Yeah. So that was uh, two years after. Um, yeah, it was exciting. To, uh, and was it, you know, did you always think, did you ever think about being an Olympian or is it something that, oh, golf's back at the Olympics, like, I think I can do this, no, I'm always, going in? Yeah, no, I always wanted to represent Israel. So from the beginning on the LPG tour, just having the Israeli flag there was to me, like, amazing. Um, so, like, a few times, so, like, on top of the leaderboard, and that was, like, very emotional. But the Olympics, to me, I even now when I think about it, it's, it was great to walk in the opening ceremony and it was n- nicer to meet the athletes because I've been away from Israel for so long. I go for the holidays and like to see my family, but sure. I, I never really, uh, they had a lot of events with like athletes in Israel getting together and I never really was in that environment because I couldn't really be home uh, if I wanted to you know, get better in golf. So that was nice to meet the other athletes. But, um, yeah, and my parents came, so that was nice, too, my parents and my brother. Um, but to me, like, representing Israel there and representing in the L- on the LPJ was, like, almost the same, almost. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're, you were born in Belgium, uh, you raised in Israel, spent your high school years, and I guess since then, do you still live in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, so. So, you know, I, 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 this is a question that gets a lot of different answers, but... You identify strongly as Israeli, and yeah. you represent Israel. Right. You know what? Wh- why of the three countries you can claim? What's what is it about Israel that makes you feel it's home? Well, from a young age, we were, we are raised very, you know, Zionist, and uh, it was always, you know, an important part of our uh, life. So, like holidays, mm-hmm. you know, we keep kosher. So it was always very important. You know, Jewish schools in Belgium. Um, so then moving to Israel, you know, it wasn't, you know, when people ask, oh, why did my parents move to Israel? And they think, you know, maybe you work, but no, it's just, just the, the, a decision for them to move to a country they love so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm here in the U S because of golf, not because I decided to leave Israel. So, right. So it's right. kind of yeah, hard to understand why I've been away for like 16 years and I still strongly identify as Israeli, but that's, you know, I'm here to work <laughs> so yeah so so what does and, and, um what, what what does the future of golf look look like in israel is there a, a way for the game to grow i mean again yeah. you know you said nine holes that went away i know there's been some tourism proposals about making wow. more golf courses yeah. um i don't know how tuned in you are to it but is there a lot of is there is there a, a groundswell of support for it? Do people want there to be more golf courses, um, more more use? Of, you know, it's it's such a small country. It's hard yeah, to so, it's hard to imagine so much of the land being used towards golf. Yeah. So we thought, you know, you know, when I just turned pro at LPGA, and then you know the exposure to Israel, and so we thought the people around me with the federation, we thought it was going to help a little bit, and unfortunately, not really. <laughs> um, like you said, there were a lot of proposals and. Um, I heard a lot of stories, but it, I don't, you know, it ends up never working out. <laughs> and it's it, sad because it, it's just tough with the one golf course, not always in the best shape. And uh-huh. people from Tel Aviv or Jerusalem having to drive all over, it's just very difficult, even especially with junior golfers. I mean, you can have 
retired people driving from Tel Aviv and from Jerusalem, but you're not going to have parents driving their kids. So that has been really a tough thing for Israel. And uh, I don't think really golf, golf improved. Um, so yeah, that's a little sad. It, it, it. So, it's a very unique circumstance because, I mean, even in, there's other places in the world, I suppose, where there isn't a lot of golf, but there might be some golf more nearby. <laughs> and and there, that's not really necessarily an opportunity for Israel either. I mean, even if there were, I, I'm sure there are some golf courses in some of the neighboring countries, but it's not as though anyone's, uh, you know, popping over to Egypt to uh, yeah. to play 18 in well, Alexandria or, or it, something like yeah. that. It sounds like the, it's more the issue with the government that they don't allow the land or giving away land, which, again, it's it's difficult to understand because it can bring tourism and other positive things to the country. But yeah, I'm not as involved. I just hear every time they're like, Oh, you know, we have a few projects and it just never, so that's... it never turns Did, out. Yeah. Is there, do you think there's and I would love it if you could talk a little about some of the pressure on you. You know, I would imagine as the first touring pro from Israel, you've heard every pitch and every everyone has asked you to help grow the game in Israel. Mm-hmm. And is that something that is like always on your mind playing in America? Like, do, do you feel the weight of that responsibility ever? No, in the beginning, when I just turned pro, I think in the first few years when I was mm-hmm. LPG, I really wanted to do well for my country. And so maybe a little bit I had that pressure. Uh, not from other people talking about it. I think just me wanting to represent mm-hmm. not just Israel, the Jewish people. Sure. And, um, so I think in the beginning, and I put a lot of pressure on myself anyways, um, I've been on tour for eight years. I lost my LPGA, my full LPGA card. I had it for five years. So now I think I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm playing for myself. Like I, I can put all the pressure. Again, nobody else puts the pressure on me, just me, because I'm a perfectionist. So now I think about it less. Um, I think people around me are more excited to see the flag, or the Israeli flag, when I go to you know Utah or Kansas or... Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm trying now to play for myself <laughs> and do well. That's great. One thing we hear, one thing we hear from a lot of athletes is that you could be anywhere in the world, Utah, Kansas, as you said, and like somebody will be like, you're Jewish. I'm Jewish too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, beginning when I turned pro and LPJ, I was staying with Jewish families and yes, oh, that's really have, nice. and then I will have a lot of also people that are watching come to, well, not a lot, but once in a while people come to me and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm Jewish and can we take a picture with you? Uh, so I had a lot of support. Uh, now a lot of people when, like when we have volunteers to help us in tournaments to drive us around the golf course and so they will ask where I'm from and I say Israel and people are always uh, surprised and usually like in a good way. So Yes, and even non-Jews, I get a lot of, I think, more positive uh, reactions. That's amazing. That's great. Uh, We we should mention that uh, you're going to be joining the B'nai B'rith event, the Chippeway at Hate Classic, um, on August 23, 2021, at the Beaconsfield Golf Club outside of Montreal. Um, 2022. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, I got it. August 15, 2022. Uh, I was looking at the last year's date by accident. Um, How did you get involved with that? So yeah, so I've been involved with uh, Montreal for a long time. So actually in, uh, what's it, 2011, I played in my first LPGA event as an amateur at a Jewish club in Montreal. But I, I started getting involved in Montreal in 2011 when I qualified for the LPGA event in Hillsdale. And the okay. community, they, they were amazing to me. Um, very supportive. 
uh, a lot of the members came to watch me. We had an event at the end of the tournament. And then the following year, I got um, invited to play an event, a charity event at Elmridge. And that's how I started mm -hmm. getting involved. I, uh, I started training with a the coach there, and I was going there every year. So, um, so when they call me asking to help them with the event, I'm like, of course, I'm going to come. Uh, anything for them because that's kind of how I started. It's, to me, it feels that I started golf there, my professional career there. So, yeah. So there's a, a real Canadian connection for yeah. you. Yeah, and then I'm in Miami, and then and a lot of the Canadians are there. It's like you know, a lot, lot of Quebecers yeah. too. Do you? And so, just to ask quickly about Montreal, when you're in Montreal, is it all golf, or do you get to go around the city and and eat some of the Jewish food and see some of the history? All golf and eat the Jewish food. <laughs> the kosher <laughs> food, not the Jewish food, the kosher. <laughs> The kosher food. That's any any highlights. Uh, well, it's like uh, the Israeli uh, shawarma. Is it Benny Shabeni? I always go there. <laughs> in, oh, that yeah, yeah. Did you, try the, 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 did you try the smoked meat in Montreal? That's a that's a Jewish uh, a once a once Jewish well, delicacy. I think the famous place is owned by Turkish guys now. It's not kosher. Yeah, I, I always it's, eat kosher. I thought it was Celine Dion owns Schwartz's now. Oh, maybe she I've does. I've heard of that place. Yeah. Maybe I ate there and I ate fish. Maybe. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's very famous, it, it, Schwartz's. Hey, look, we're not, we're not your <laughs> rabbi. You don't have to explain it to us. <laughs> uh, there's, I highly recommend checking out some of the Hasidic bakeries. They're amazing. Um, there's, like, you, just ask around for good kosher baked goods. And it's close. It's close. Yeah. Um, we've, we've, people tell us a lot, you know, Jewish people all over, like we both went to university in Montreal. We went to college in Montreal. And that's like one of the things I miss is like the rugelach or the fresh halas on the Friday from, from oh, yeah. these bakeries. They're amazing. From Chesky's, yeah. From Chesky's, exactly. Free ad. And you'll be, for, you'll be the uh, least religious Montreal person bakery. there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, well, that's really great. Um, I think I think we're going to wrap it up there, Letitia. But uh, that's a really great uh, way to end it to talk about the Chipway at Hate Classic. Um, this is the second time they're running the event, and I, I think it's you know going to continue to raise mm -hmm. awareness for anti-Semitism and all the great things that B'nai B'rith does. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. You know, thanks on behalf of of all Jewish golf mm -hmm. fans for yeah. participating <laughs> in that and and being you know uh, a a you know role model and you know making history as as a rare jew on tour and the first israeli it's it's amazing to meet yeah, you yeah thank you thank you for having me well thanks again to leticia uh, for joining us um again you can see her in montreal at the beaconfield golf club uh on august 15 2022 for the b'nai b'rith um golf tournament chip away at hate um before we go we want to share a little clip from a recent episode of the cjn daily that's the cjn's daily podcast hosted by alan besner uh alan caught up with our former guest friend of the podcast zach hyman at his annual his annual charity golf tournament at the oakdale golf club recently uh let's take a listen to what Al what zach had to say can you talk about the tournament a little bit um sure. you're giving uh attention to the jewish causes uh, yeah. maybe you want to talk a little bit about what sure. that means to you yeah definitely uh yeah so obviously the, this tournament for us is is extremely important really just donating to great causes uh the sick kids and, and the uj being the, the two main benefactors and um 
growing up in the Jewish community and, and being in Toronto and having roots here, um, you always want to be able to, to give back and, and sit kids and, and the work that they do for, for kids uh, all across Ontario and, and the world. I think uh, it speaks for itself. Every year when I was on the Leafs, we'd go and do a visit there. So uh, it really puts things into perspective. And I think, uh, I think it's just amazing the amount of people that are out here, volunteers, um, people who are donating just to, to support those causes. Uh, it's pretty special. Oakdale Golf Club coming up a lot this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the the Canadian Open being there next year is obviously something that we're going to be focused on and uh, interested to go into more detail with. Um, we do have a interview coming up with Larry Applebaum of Golf Canada, uh, hopefully dropping in our next episode. Uh, before we go, I, I just want to leave you with a quick story. We spoke earlier about yep. Harrison Bader as you know a, a Jewish man in Canada and a, you know millennial Jewish person. I have my father is from New York City. I have plenty of cousins in New York, and Harrison Bader grew up at least partially Jewish in in sort of in and around Scarsdale in East Chester, New York. So I sent okay. my cousin a text. You know, she is same age as Harrison Bader. Um, grew up, and I said, "Do you know this guy?" You know, uh, her brother played a little baseball. She's close friends with John Demarte, who was on Team Israel, who also played a lot cool. with Harrison growing up. And she thought about it, she thought about it, she thought about it. And the first question that she came back with was, where did he go to camp? Which is probably the best Jewish response you could possibly get. I, I, I don't know. I think some baseball camp. But, you know, the, that's really the highlight of Jewish geography. Right. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a professional athlete or some fucking lawyer somewhere. It's it's all about where they went. Yeah, to that's camp. great. Um, so if anyone knows where where Harrison Bader, uh, which part of Long Island Harrison Bader <laughs> went to camp on, uh, please let us know. Yeah, oh, it's East Chester. Chester. Sorry, excuse me. I'm so, excuse know, me. I'm so I'm so sorry. I insulted your cousin by suggesting she lives yeah. on Long Island instead of in, in East Chester. West Chester okay. is the county. East okay. Chester is the town. I know it gets really okay. confusing. That's enough. That's um, enough Jewish geography she, for, for now, this episode. I think literal, literal, literal Jewish, Jewish geography. geography, like not just Jewish geography, but like. There's that's it's it's like we're some sort of BDS oh mapping boy. project. All right, oh. good place to end it. Thanks for joining us as always. Uh, you can catch all the uh, news and articles that we publish uh, on the Canadian Jewish News at the CJN.ca. Uh, you should like and subscribe to this podcast. Download it wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter. Please tell your friends about the, about this show. This uh, we're having a blast bringing it to you. Uh, you can follow our Twitter account at Menschwarmers. Um, where we are, you know, shit posting about the Blue Jays and uh, <laughs> the occasional news story and 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 Rod yeah. Carew, occasional news story about Jesus one Sports. one thing I love about one thing I love about our Twitter, and I don't know if a lot of listeners get a sense of this, but like I'll make some tweet that's a pun about Rod Carew, and then it'll get liked by like the Minnesota Twins, a couple of our regular listeners, and the Holocaust Museum. <laughs> yeah that's that's there are usually that's, that's, Ju- that's jewish twitter with. that's jewish twitter basically uh so thank you for engaging with us uh, on the show and another also big thanks to our producer michael and our guest leticia beck um who was uh, a really wonderful conversation and we wish her the best of luck on the course is there some sort of like talmudic blessing or or jewish yiddish blessing for golf like may all of your putts be properly read yeah, something. I feel like there's more curses that would apply to golf than than blessings. Um, but like you know, may, may may you find yourself in the middle of the fairway, but may your ball fall, fall down a be on be sitting on a sprinkler or something like that. Yeah, it, 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 totally. Yeah, may may you hit the flag and bounce twenty feet off the green. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh.
Uh, until next time, thanks for joining us. We're the Mentorers. Thank <laughs> you.